When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. First serve tennis sunscreen. A quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis. At sunblessunscreens.com.au And GLG Green Life Group. Your open space specialists at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another Monday night edition of The First Serve right around Australia. It's great to have you with us. We're here in our Melbourne studios at 11.16. Of course, uh, everyone up there in Sydney on 11.70 and 16.29 over in SCNSA. Whether you're listening through the great SCN app right across the country online at scn.com.au. It's always good to have you with us as we talk the world of tennis and we always want you to get involved in this show every single week. It's the only chance, the only show where you can talk tennis and get things off your chest domestically. You can uh, give us a good feel story. You can go hard at a particular topic. The agenda is yours. You can talk internationally, whatever you like. The hour is certainly open to you. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Or you can get us on the uh, Tennis Direct text tonight, 0433981116. They are Australia's favourite online tennis store. They've got fast delivery, great prices, free delivery on orders over $150. So if you go to their website, you can shop to your heart's content while you're listening in tonight. Tennisdirect.com.au. First serve listeners can get that 10% discount store-wide. Also tonight and uh, right throughout May for our best caller, Tennis Direct throwing in the $150 voucher as well. So racket, accessories, everything going on. We'll also throw in tonight the uh, Sunblessed Sunscreen, uh, their first serve tennis sunscreen we've got to give away, uh, which is, of course, designed specifically for tennis. So you can order yours at sunblessedsunscreens.com.au. Use the discount code SEN. But uh, we'd love to get your thoughts. one 736 736 it's not always kind to us, the time difference, isn't it, when you're trying to uh, cover this sport, watch this sport in Australia, because tomorrow morning at 3am, Ash Barty versus Iga Sviontek, the two most recent French Open winners. Now, I've been looking forward to this one for a little while. We're going to talk to Linda Pierce very soon on the show, senior tennis journalist, of course, a long time with the age in the Herald Sun, regular contributor. She's just put up a, a great piece on our website too, thefirstserve.com.au, Aussies versus Clay. It hasn't always been the kindest uh, relationship, particularly on the men's side uh, for quite some time. Certainly in Ash's case, Sam Stoza uh, doing quite nicely in Paris to uh, make a final. But uh, generally speaking, across the journey, uh, Aussies winning on Clay with regularity hasn't happened uh, too often. But gee, Barty and Sviontek. She could win again, uh, Ash, uh, this week. She's through to the third round. Osaka got knocked out overnight. That was the matchup I wanted to see. Ash Barty and Naomi Osaka. We have to wait a little while longer. We know Clay isn't kind to Naomi. First time she's uh, played on the clay pretty much for a couple of years. Uh, skipped the French Open uh, last year. 
So we'll uh, we'll get that instalment at some point. But uh, looking forward to Barty and Sviontek. I'll uh, have to go home, have a little kip, and get up at 3am, I reckon, uh, for that one. But let's start with uh, what is happening in the last uh, week before we get on to what the week ahead does look like. BMW Open. Playing in Germany is kind for a man from Georgia. His name is Nikolaj Bajalashvili, the fifth seed. This is how he got it done last night. Take a bow. Nicholas Basilashvili, a fine performance, not just in this final, but all week. He has not dropped a set here in Munich as he claims the big prize. It is a fifth ATP Tour title for the Georgian. He loves playing in Germany. Twice he's won in Hamburg. And he has added Munich to the collection. A fine display, 6-4, 7-6. Uh, he was uh, brilliant. Uh, it's a fascinating story, uh, Bajalash uh, Vili. He's got a few things going on off court as well, we'll uh, tell you about. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. if you want to get involved. But uh, this guy, um, he hits big. His first return last night off the Jan Leonard Struff, he was in his first final, a big German. He's had a pretty couple, a couple of pretty solid years on the tour. His first return last night was a cracking backhand. He finished the match with an inside-out forehand up the line. It was absolutely uh, magnificent. I mean, his path to the final wasn't overly difficult until he ran into Casper uh, Ruud in the semi, but he made light work of Ruud, who unfortunately had to play two matches in one day. So by the time he got uh, to the semi, he was probably a little bit spent, but uh, he got through the rest of his opponents quite comfortably. He's not travelling with a coach at the moment. It was a match of very small margins, 6 4 Seven six, and how about? Oh, I love the the presentation ceremonies at all the uh, different tournaments around the world. So he's one sits down in his chair. Of course, there's no crowds over in uh, in Munich, but there is the tradition of presenting the German shorts. There is a name for them. Oh, it escapes me. Uh, and they had to actually come across and put the sort of sponsor banner around him, so he could actually get changed into the shorts uh, out on court and. Uh, he looked the part, lifted his trophy, and uh, he was uh, pretty happy. Fifth ATP Tour title. He's 5-2 and two in finals. Of course, he won in uh, Qatar earlier this year, defeated Roger Federer on the way to winning the title. Uh, he also defeated Struff in the quarterfinals in Sardinia. So, uh, nice little head-to-head uh, -head there. But uh, this guy in full flight, he has been inside the top 20, really flying the flag for his country. Uh, he hits uh, he hits a mean ball, but can I tell you the things that are going on in the Nikolaj Bajalashvili life? So the, he's the world number thirty-five. Has been accused of not fulfilling, and this was reported in the last forty-eight hours of not fulfilling a contract signed six years ago and refusing to pay. So uh, Georgia's top tennis player he's set to be heading back to court after it was confirmed legal proceedings have been launched against him by a businessman who claims he helped fund his career. Russian. Uh, sports website has uh, published a photograph of the legal document detailing an allegation made by Irakli Karacheva. Uh, Karacheva says he has helped fund the career of Bajalashvili since 2015, but has not yet received any reimbursement. In the legal complaint, it is claimed that a document was signed between the two parties, which states that the businessman is entitled to a share of the earnings that Bajalashvili has made on the tour. So the amount of money that he says he's owed is around $1.5 million, which is just under a quarter of his entire, uh, entire career prize money. He's also got a bit going on uh, with his, uh, of course, uh, former wife as well. Uh, he's got a young son, but of course, last year, Bachelashvili 
was taken to court by his ex-wife over domestic abuse allegations, which he has denied doing. Bit going on, not affecting what's happening between the tram lines. Uh, he is an absolute star when it comes to uh, uh, certainly playing big matches and finals. Five and two, as I mentioned. The other big uh, tournament this week was in Estoril. Uh, lefty, Albert Ramos Vinolas uh, won overnight. She had to work hard. Just his third title at the age of 33. They're hard to win on the tour. Four, six, six, three, seven, six. He's the best performed on the clay uh, this season, 16 and five. And 3-0, the head-to-head now with Cam Norrie, who was in his second ATP final. Couldn't quite get it done, but uh, plenty of relief for Albert Ramos Vinolas. He's done it. Ramos Vinolas has been exceptional in Estoril. He's battled and fought and scrapped his way to the title here. And he has tour title number three at the age of 33. Uh, Yes, indeed. Uh, he reached the final without dropping a set, so he beat Vadaska Herbert. Uh, he came up against Moutet, the Frenchman, in the quarterfinals, and then who beat uh, Denis Shapovalov, the top seed. So uh, not a great week for Shapo there, but he's won his first match in Madrid, which is good news. And then beat the very inform Alejandro Davidovich Fokina, who's been going beautifully, uh, the Spaniard, and uh, the eldest Spaniard uh, was able to get the job done in that uh, particular uh, tournament. Jordan Thompson, disappointing first-round loss for Tomo. It just goes to show the tight margins in uh, professional tennis. He goes down to a qualifier from Portugal who is ranked 331 in the world. I watched this match in its entirety. And you would think these players are of the same ranking. So it's, it's not much in it. But Nuno Vogues of uh, Portugal was able to win that 7-6-6-3. Went down to Chilich in a really tight second-round match. So we'll keep a very close eye out for him. But let's have a listen to Albert Ramos Vinales. Albert, many congratulations. An incredible day for you, an incredible final, your third ATP title. What does that mean? I'm really happy. It was a great week for me today. Really, really difficult match. I was, I think, set and breakdown. Uh, Bit, bit pain in the leg. I did a big effort. I'm really happy because it's never easy to win a match like this. It felt like you really used your experience well today. As you say, you were down and out in that second set and you were able uh, to turn it around. I'm not sure. I just, I just did my best. I think Cameron was playing a great level. A bit more consistent than me at the beginning since the break and set, uh, set and break and then he started to miss a little bit and also in the third set uh, he played good when he when he was down and the end in the direct it's uh, really really difficult and today was for me i just wonder also what it means at 33 years of age are these even more special when especially after the last year we've had when you know that your career is not, is not ending but it's closer, you, you enjoy more no? the moments and you think that I, today I said to my coach, maybe it's my last final. Uh, I, mean, I have to try to do my best and it's what I tried. And you're playing some fantastic tennis at a very important part of the calendar, some big, big tournaments coming up. Well, today, uh, after, after a final like this, I think it's going to be difficult in Madrid. The, the, uh, in Madrid, there is altitude. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be really tired for Tuesday, but I will play at home with the crowd and I will try to do my best. <laughs> I reckon we get right off Madrid. He said it's spent. Albert Ramos.
Vinolas. He gave it everything. Played some long matches in Estoril on the coast there in Portugal uh, this uh, past week. So we might be expecting too much for him to back up in Madrid this week. Now, there's a couple of young guys we need to keep a little eye on. They're going okay. The challenges are important. It's a stepping stone to the ATP Tour. Benjamin Bonzil, the Frenchman, 24 years of age, 4-4 four and four he won over the weekend. So he has gone from 164 to 115. So he's creeping up on the top 100, 26 years of age, two challenger wins. Uh, sorry, 26 and 10. He's 24 years of age. Two challenger wins, two challenger semifinals, a runner-up, a quarterfinal. Uh, Montpellier, the 250, uh, beat Luca Pui earlier in the year, a former top 10 player. So we'll keep an eye out for him. Mark Polman's a much better week, certainly from a singles point of view, making the quarterfinals. He did win the doubles, Mark, so shout out to you. Fourth ATP Challenger doubles title with Sergei Stokowski. That was a, a good match. I watched that. We want to see Mark go to the next level and actually win one of these Challenger events and step up onto the ATP Tour. There's still a fair climb to go for uh, Mark Polman, but well done on certainly winning the doubles. And we did mention this guy on the first serve earlier this year, Juan Manuel Serendolo, the Argentinian lefty, just 19 years of age. Well, he has jumped up from 341 in the world to 152. So uh, he won the Rome event on the weekend with Anasi Kokonakis made his uh, third quarterfinal of the year, lost a really tight match Vanasi, so he's getting closer, but just good to see him out on the tour. He's played five consecutive weeks, which by his standard, with everything he's been through in the last few years, is a nice little run. Touch what he can uh, keep the body intact and the run keeps going. Uh, but uh, this guy can play. Um, he's defeated five players in the top 100 this year. As a qualifier, he won Cordoba in Argentina earlier this year. Beat uh, Ramos Vinales in that uh, final, so... Uh, really impressed with uh, his game. Uh, got a nice backcourt game, gets forward. He uh, volleys with a, a fair degree of confidence as well. So well done to Juan uh, Manuel Serendolo, the uh, Argentinian. We also need to sing the praises. And I haven't deliberately started with this because we need to put it into a little bit of perspective. But we are following this young girl quite closely because we are crying out for someone to step up and be where Ash Barty is, or somewhere of that vicinity. Fellow Queenslander Olivia Gadecki, who's been training a lot with Barty. Barty's taken her under her wing. They've done a lot of blocks together, keeping an eye on her results. She won her first ITF singles tour event across the weekend. So she's won a couple of doubles titles this year. You remember she beat Sophia Kennan, the Australian Open champion of last year at the Phillip Island Trophy uh, back uh, around Australian Open time. She's 17 and 8. She wins 6-3-6-2. Now, she's 525 in the ranking. So let's put this into a little bit of perspective. There are 15 players her same age that are ranked higher than her. Igish Fiontek, who's going to play Barty tomorrow morning, is of the same age. She's inside the top 20. Now, everyone develops at a different pace. Everyone goes on a different journey. So we're not quite sure where Olivia Gadecki is is going to land. We don't want to pump it up too early, but we want to certainly acknowledge that she is ticking a lot of boxes. She's making nice progress. She comes from a great tennis state that is producing good young talent, and she's learning so much from Ash Barty when the two of them can get together throughout the year. So uh, well done to uh, Olivia, and we'll just continue to monitor her results. She's pretty much playing week in, week out on the ITF Tour. And I think she's going to back up in Turkey again uh, this week. So there's some of the results. After the break, Linda Pierce is uh, going to join us. We're going to 
dissect plenty of uh, tennis issues going around. We'll look ahead to Barty and Fiontech and plenty happening off court as well. We're here for Hume Tennis and Community Centre. It is one of Australia's premier tournament and training venues just 15 minutes from Melbourne Airport. Got the 16 ITF size courts and accommodation available as well. It's a mini Melbourne park. It's a beauty. Ideal for the travelling, coaching groups and families. Check it out at humetennis.com.au. First serve tennis sunscreen. A quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis. At sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Green Life Group. Your open space specialists, providing landscape, horticultural and environmental services throughout Australia at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Great to be with you on a Monday night. Brett Phillips in the chair, talking the world of tennis, a sport that never stops. There is no let up. We're all a bit uh, matchstick eyes, uh, particularly covering this sport from Australia. Uh, the team at the first serve. But keep checking out our website. There's regular content going up. Our socials across Facebook, Twitter and Instagram every day. I think Gash Marty at 3am tomorrow. Alex Bolt's in action a little bit later on. Uh, John Pierce, of course, back with Michael Venus. Uh, Michael had a, a child, of course. He's a little late on the tour, which means... And then Max Purcell is back this week, back with his regular partner in uh, Luke Seville, uh, Laura Holson. Thank you, Mark, from North Ball. And the shorts at uh, Bajalashvili had to get dressed in for the uh, presentation ceremony over in uh, Munich. Uh, let's welcome in uh, Linda Pierce, always joining us at the start of uh, every month, a senior sports journalist, columnist, uh, 24 years at the age, uh, the Herald's son. She's covered tennis and lots of Grand Slams across the journey and has written a terrific piece around Australians and clay. And I did touch on this at the start of the show. We've got a text in here. Richard Fromberg was good on clay. It's a nice little segue into you, Linda, because he does feature in your great piece, which has uh, gone up. Welcome aboard. Thank you, BP. Yes, we. I asked the question. Um, I actually called Frommy and said, um, are you the last of the Aussie men the clay court specialists? He said he's more than that. He's the last <laughs> Aussie man to actually win a singles title on the ATP Tour. So, um, And he never imagined back in 20-something years ago that there would be a record that would still be standing and he'd be very happy to pass it on if someone would just win one. Yes, and that's the million-dollar question, when that's uh, going to come. And you know, certainly our, our, our focus and our attention and our hope, Linda, is around Demonor and, and Poprin uh, in particular, who have uh, spent a lot of their youth uh, growing up and, and honing uh, the clay. And Alexi winning a boys' singles title at Roland Garros. But, gee, the competition's uh, pretty tough around our current Aussies. And when that breakthrough comes, it's hard to look into the crystal ball and totally see when. Exactly. I also spoke to Paul McNamee at length for this story and he just worries that Demonor just doesn't have a big enough weapon other than, you know, his heart and his legs and his movement and all those things, a bit like Leighton Hewitt back in the day. Um, whereas Cochran, he's got the bigger serve, bigger forehand, so look, maybe he's got a little bit more of a chance in, in some of these clay court events. But, he, but Cochran, for example, is such an all-court player, it's hard to sort of see him being particularly good on clay. He's just very good on everything. So... Yeah. Uh, and I mean, Millman's got the closest. He's actually made a clay court final in the mm. past few years. So, um, in terms of ATP clay court titles, I just um, I'm going to back Alexi, but I don't know when that will happen. No, and without giving away all of your article, and we encourage everyone while they're listening in tonight, go on and have a read at thefirstserve.com.au on three our socials, Aussies versus uh, clay. But I thought Paul McNamee's comments about Nick Kyrgios were quite interesting, Linda. They were, uh, Paul feels that Nick's disdain for clay 
um, is is a little bit uh, is, well, is very unfortunate because he says he can play on the surface. He just chooses not to, and or not to very often. But he just feels it sets a sort of almost a bad example or sends a bad message to the kids coming up because there were quite a few years when a lot of the Australians were just a bit like, oh, you know, it's just clay and it's just a warm-up for Wimbledon and we don't have to care about it because we're Australians and we're no good on it. And so, therefore, you know, we just almost dismiss it. Um, whereas he feels that he, as, as Paul is an absolute clay court aficionado, he, I was talking to him on his way down to Mornington to watch the Gallipoli Cup yeah. and he watches the back courts of junior tournaments because he's got specific things he wants to see in young players when he sees them playing um, that he hopes will translate to clay and also clay of course being absolutely regarded as as the prime or Paul says the only teaching surface so um, yes there's a whole lot of things that he would like to see happen and Kyrgios dissing clay is not one of them. No, have a read. Uh, and a very astute judge. Always great listening to Paul McNamee or, or seeing him in print. Uh, we'll touch on another Kyrgios matter uh, very, very uh, shortly. But one person that is mastering the clay, and we're looking forward to this matchup. I am going to set the alarm and watch this live tomorrow morning. I, I said on the program going back a few months ago, I thought the most watchable player on the WTA tour was Iga Sviantek. I, I love watching this girl play. I can't take my eyes off her. Barty versus Sviantek, third round. Madrid, it's a must-watch. Absolutely. Paul actually mentioned, Paul McMean, our chat uh, the other day, that he thinks they are by far the two sort of form players on clay right at the moment. Uh, he believes maybe Ash is slightly better suited to the conditions at altitude there in Madrid, but um, he thinks it's going to be a huge sort of pointer to what we might see in Roland Garros in, in a few weeks' time. Trying for those that um, maybe haven't followed Sviantek and her journey, and she's a she's a really interesting player who obviously off court in the last twelve months has had to deal with a lot more in terms of media and sponsor commitments, and you know trying to have her zen time, if you like, to make sure she stays focused on you know building the great foundations that she's already laid as a nineteen year old to be inside the top twenty, but. If you were to pick a little point of difference, Linda, we know what Ash brings and the great skill, and we can see what Sviantek brings. I mean, just in, in your eyes, as having watched a lot of tennis, just match them up for us. Well, Sviantek's got such a wonderful all-court game, as Ash does, but she hasn't got quite, I guess, the subtleties that Barty might have in, in some of the angles and things like that. She's a fantastic mover. She's, you know, a huge, hits a lot of winners. She's just so solid in every shot and moves so beautifully. Whereas Ash has just got that little bit of extra flair, perhaps, than Sviantek might have at this point. But she's obviously, you know, that few years younger and a little bit less experienced. Um, but Clay... See, I actually covered her at Junior Wimbledon a few years ago and she had to be convinced she could play on grass. Yeah. So I think she's at least knows she can play on clay. And I just think it'll just be a... They're not... You know, they're, they're sort of similar in some ways, but very different in others. I think Ash's serve, um, as Paul was sort of mentioning too, in Madrid might give her a few more free points. Yep. Ash has got that wonderful slice on the clay. Um, but there's Fiontek, there's not a shot she doesn't have either. So it's just a, a match of different um, different strengths, but but similar kind of levels, I think. Uh, it's going to be absolute beauty. I was hoping, and I said on this program, I think, last week, that I, I wanted to see as soon as possible uh, Barty V. Osaka, but there's no chance of that happening in Madrid this week. Naomi knocked out by Mook of a great run to the semis of the Australian Open. So she is taking a few scalps. But Naomi and Clay, uh, they haven't mm. overly been kind to each other. No, she left Melbourne Park after winning the Australian Open saying, of course, the next thing I have to do is master all the surfaces because we know uh, she can play on hard court. And then there was still grass and clay. But she's just, she's such, she is a hard court specialist. Speaking of Richard Fromberg and his clay, I mean, she's, her, her results on hard courts are so phenomenal 
phenomenal, and yet they haven't quite translated at this stage. Yeah, disappointing. She just doesn't have the slice. She doesn't have. No. It's a bit sort of bang bang, isn't it, with, mm. with Osaka? And um, and if it doesn't go in, it's such, there's not really a plan B for her at this stage on another surface. No, that is true. And uh, yeah, players who play that nature trying to make the adjustments uh, really really tough for uh, quite a few players. What are you making of Madrid? The ladies are well underway, of course. Effectively, uh, almost a two week tournament. The men. Uh, have just got underway. No, Djokovic, who's decided to uh, skip Madrid this week. That's right, and with no explanation, really, apart from a sorry, I won't be there announcement. Um, so I don't know if he was so rattled by his loss at Monte Carlo or there's something going on at home or who would know if there's a physical thing that he's um, afflicted by at the moment. He's just pacing himself before Roland Garros and just sticking with one lead-up tournament. Um, who would know? But it certainly makes for a lot of interesting speculation, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Uh, there's always always a story uh, around at Novak, so we'll, uh, we'll follow that. And what we do want to see, though, <laughs> and I preface this today on SCN when I was speaking to Dwayne Russell, we want to see Rafa and Carlos Alcaraz. Now, Alcaraz has got to beat Manorino. That's not an easy assignment. He's a tough competitor, the lefty from uh, France. But uh, when he first won Madrid 2005, Rafa, Alcaraz was just two years of age. Here is a young 17-year-old on the verge of the top 100. We'd love a little taste of this matchup. The current Rafa and the next Rafa. Um, there's big reps on this young Spanish boy, isn't there? Yeah. I, I watched him for a little bit on an outside court at the Australian Open this year, but certainly a lot of um, yes, a lot of Spanish people and people just tennis lovers will be really itching for this one. Looking forward to it. Uh, we've got the, the exact time. Jed's with me. We'll get him on very, very soon to uh, just see what time that match is on uh, tonight. But one man who's decided to pull the pin, one of the most watchable players, uh, was a great shot maker. He took some great scalps. He beat Nadal twice in his career. Alexander Dolgopolov, who we haven't seen play for three years. When the wrist, uh, and we've seen it with Del Potro, we've seen it with other players, when that injury um, occurs and it and it just gets worse. It's a tough one to come back from. And he's had, what, a couple of surgeries, Linda, to try and rectify it. Uh, world number 13 he got to, but Dolgopolov has decided to pull the pin. Yes, he actually revealed in his retirement announcement that he'd injured it in Australia, practising here three years ago in 2018. And it just was he didn't realise at the time how serious it was, um, and he just was never really able to recover from it. So, But the outpouring this week was, was amazing. Even Roger Federer tweeted, Team RF, we love watching you play, dog. And um, I remember watching him play for the first time without knowing a whole lot about him back, I don't know, 10 years ago and thinking, this guy's just freakish. Some of the shots he plays and, and the things that he does. And he obviously had an Australian connection with Jack Reader. He's yes. old coach, a South Australian guy. I travelled with him for a long time. They were a bit of an odd couple, but um, really made, had, had a wonderful relationship there for quite some time. And um, actually, Ben Rothenberg, the, the excellent New York Times tennis writer, tweeted the other day that he thought that the Bernard Tomic Dolgopolov match at the 2012 Australian Open was the best match he's ever seen. So that gives you an idea of what the shot making was like and how outrageous some of it was. All right, I'm going to go back on YouTube and have a look at that one uh, <laughs> during the week. Tomic and Dolgopolov. That's a nice little lead-in by you. Well. Uh, nice little lead-in by you, Linda, because... Um, uh, just back to Nick Kyrgios. Kyrgios unloads, answering disgusting insult, as he called it. Nick Kyrgios is not feeling the burn. Kyrgios unloaded on his former buddy, Bernard Tomic, in a social media rant. Speaking on his Instagram story, Kyrgios said he felt insulted by a disgusting comparison to the former Aussie Davis Cup teammate. Oh, these two. <laughs> They're always having a little niggle at each other, aren't they? But this was actually the most... 
um, outspoken Nick Spain about Bernie, I think. It was an interesting one because he just said, has he got a foundation? Has he done bushfire fundraising? This is disgusting. I've never been so insulted. And considering the things that have been said about Nick over the years by many people, um, I would have thought this was quite mild. But anyway, he took particular offence. Do you understand why? Well... It's funny. It made me think because of all the questions over the years. I, I don't, the first, when I, even when Alex Demonor was rising, the first question I'd always get was about Kyrgios, Tomic. It was always the mm. first question on any show and that I'd be on. And they were lumped together as well. They were. Yeah, and for I, quite I, a few years. Yeah, and I, I probably maybe always put them in the same sentence and the same breath. But when you do think about it, I mean, there's a there's a clear difference. Uh, yes, they've both been the bad boys and for differing sort of reasons um, that I, I can understand why Nick's probably taken a little bit of exception to being put in the same sentence. Yeah, but uh, the worst thing that's never felt more insulted, I do think it was a slight overreaction myself. It probably, yeah. No, there's, mm. been, there's been some heavier stuff, but um, yeah, it's always been a fascinating dynamic between those two. I remember yeah, oh, being, being a key on for the Cup Davis Cup. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was about to say when um, Nick was sick or, and Bernie lost and then didn't question whether Nick was actually sick and it was all um, it was all going on then too I think but they, they did get along okay for a while I think there's mm. been a few um, they rub each other up the wrong way quite quite frequently it seems not so now Linda how many off the top of your head how many Wimbledons have you covered at SW19 uh, 12 I think 12 oh. or 13 and the, the, what would you what would you do on that middle Sunday Oh, sleep, <laughs> shop, do my washing, all those sorts of things. Up girl. Um, there was two, two of them, I think, have, uh, well, we usually, there was usually a dinner on somewhere with the media. Um, but there was, yeah, it's interesting. There was two, I think, that I that I covered that the middle Sunday was called interplay yeah. because of rain. And so yep. I kind of think it's inevitable that it had to happen this way. It makes all sorts of financial sense. It makes all sorts of practical sense. Um, most most sporting events want to play on a weekend. That's when people can mm, go. And mm. I know Wimbledon doesn't have any problem selling its tickets, but even so, it's a day where people like watching sports. So I think it's a no-brainer. Oh, absolutely. And if you haven't caught up on the news, uh, from 2022, no rest in the middle Sunday. It'll be action plenty. I've got to say, having been to a few Wimbledons, I'd, I'd actually like the day off just to reset, recharge. and. Oh, the media won't be happy, but everyone else will. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So that Matic uh, fourth round Monday now gets spread across uh, two days like uh, a normal tournament. And just to finish off, uh, Linda, a man who's often in the news, he has been in the news for you know good and bad reasons across his career, but this is a fascinating oh. little story about Fabio Fanini who may sue the ATP over damage to his image. Uh, of course, he was bounced out of Barcelona for a uh, allegedly abusing a, a, an official. Uh, he argued with a linesman over a foot fold. He was disqualified. So he has appealed that disqualification and the $5,000 fine that goes with it. He's demanding an apology from the ATP. Nothing forthcoming at this stage, and he's threatened to sue them. He's demanding an apology for, quote, compensation for very serious image damage, unquote. Mm. So he's saying he doesn't care about the money. It's about his reputation. But the interesting thing is that a couple of days after his disqualification, and he's only one of sort of about nine nine men, I think, since 2002, and Djokovic at the US Open was the previous, yep. most recent one, um, his, his uh, racket sponsor, Babalat, came out and said in a statement that they were concerned about the outbursts of both Benini and Benoit Pierre, who's been booted out of the French Olympic team for his ridiculous behaviour over quite some time now and that they said that these both of those players' values didn't align with what Battle at stands for and that they were not showing the right example. And so after that, 
Fabio decided he needs an apology um, to repair his reputation. Well, you just don't. And but the other interesting thing he did say, I must say that he said that he's done much worse before and he's taken responsibility for it. But in mm. this case, he didn't insult anyone and he doesn't pretend to be an example for anyone, but no. he also didn't, he's not guilty this time. So I tend to think I might believe him, given he does usually just own up to what yes. he does. Yes. But it's still unfortunate. I mean, you still don't, shouldn't be blueing with blind judges, should no. you? Regardless of whether you insult them enough to be disqualified or you don't. No, look, he's digging in the heels here. And he has said he's no uh, he's no uh, angel. So uh, he's had a, a fair rap filed across the journey. We'll follow that with a bit of interest. We'll read your great article on our website and our socials. Linda, thank you for your time as always. Pleasure. Talk to you next month, Brett. Linda Pierce talking the world of tennis. She knows it as good as anyone going around. Paul Aiken on the text. McNamee is correct. Playing at uh, club level is your best assistant coach. It is phenomenal for junior development. It's always questionable when clubs choose synthetic grass over clay. Thank you, PA. Nicely said. We'll take a break. Back with more on the first serve. First serve tennis sunscreen. A quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis. At sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Green Life Group. Your open space specialists. At glgcorp.com. The first serve. Your home of tennis. Welcome back to the first serve Monday night. Great to have you with us right across the SEN network. Uh, Brett Phillips in the chair. Great to catch up with Linda Pierce. Aussies versus Clay, that is up. Have a, a really good read on our website, thefirstserve.com.au. Uh, reference to Paul McNamee. I got sent his new book during the week. I know he hasn't officially launched it, but it is Welcome to the Dance, uh, Master Clay to Master Tennis. So we'll uh, talk to Paul and... Uh, delve into that uh, through the uh, clay court uh, season. You can go shopping tonight while you're listening to us. Tennisdirect.com.au. Use the promo code First Serve Ten. Rackets, accessories, fast delivery, great prices. They are on board with us here at the First Serve. Well, very recently we had the Australian Tennis Championships. More than 50 players competed across four categories, including players with an intellectual disability, players with uh, Down syndrome, players with autism, and for the first time, players who are deaf or uh, hard of hearing. Uh, Kelly Wren is a great story. I was fortunate to chat to Kelly off-air last week. She claimed her 23rd consecutive national title, which is a great record from New South Wales. Kelly, it's great to have you on the first serve. Hello, Brett. How are you? Going uh, beautifully. 23 consecutive titles. Uh, that, that's something you've got to be pretty proud of. Yeah, I'm very, very um, proud of all my um, achievements and to get to the 23rd title is just unbelievable. I mean, your resume goes off the charts. You've been at World Championships, uh, Global Games, uh, everywhere around the globe for a long time and you're you're doing some coaching now as well as uh, playing. I mean, tennis, we call it the sport for life and it's given you a lifetime of uh, great fulfilment. Yes, um, I love the game and I'm pretty passionate about the game and just to um, be around tennis is what I love doing. Um, It's a sport for everyone and um, just proud to be still playing it. How did you get into tennis? Uh, Why did you choose tennis as a sport? Um, Well, there's plenty of objects in the backyard (laughs) when I was young and um, got to pick up a a tennis ball and a totem tennis bat and got to hit a ball over barbecue chairs in my um, back porch and that's how it all started. And and it's just, uh, and, and it's stuck. And I remember uh, one of the very early 
um, uh, Newcomb Medal Awards, which you won, of course, the most outstanding athlete with a disability back in 2011. That was that the first Newcomb Medal, or one of the was it a crown or the first one? Um, well, I I guess there's um, other years that it has been around, yeah. but um, I was the one that won it in 2011. Yeah, you did, and it was the very early days of the awards, but it's such a great night, isn't it? What was it like to be able to you know, rub shoulders with the elite of Australian tennis? That's what I think the great part is, which separates tennis and other sports who... You know, we have our brand low in AFL and the Dally M in, in rugby league where it's just um, awarding the elite, whereas tennis mix the elite and the grassroots uh, all together in one night, rubbing shoulders with awards given across all categories. It must have been a great thrill to uh, to get that award and, and just meet some of your uh, your idols. Yeah, um, what what a great um, night it, they are to put on at, um, on at the Crown in Melbourne. And, yeah, just to see and listen to how people have achieved in community tennis and yep. playing at the elite. And it's it's just good to sit there and know that it's, it's a really, really, they're really nice nights to go to. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of good stories that are told. I mean, Kelly, what has tennis given you the most as a sport? Um, tennis has given me the independence. Yep. The um, the I get to travel, and I get to meet um, people from around the world. I get to play on different um, court surfaces, and I get to travel with different coaches and, and just meet people. But yeah. to play good, tough matches as well. Yeah, nicely said. Have you got a preferred? surface that you like to play on? Um, I like synthetic grass, but I was brought up on hard court. Okay. Okay. It'd be a little a little kinder on the body, the synthetic grass? Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and how much longer do you, I mean, obviously, I mean, this is the great part about tennis. You don't need to retire, do you? you hang up the racket. You can keep playing as long as you're standing upright and vertical. That's exactly right. I never, ever want to think about retirement. <laughs> <laughs> Not when you can travel the world, though. It's a little harder to travel the world these days. Hopefully hopefully things uh, open up. And just a final one on, you know, going down the coaching path, what, what are the lessons you most pass on from all your years of experience on the tour? Um, I just think... Uh, Experiencing what I've gone through with um, with a coach who I used to um, get coached by, and I give back to his knowledge of what he gave to me to a, another person who's starting off, and that's rewarding. Yeah, what's what's the best thing you reckon you've been told as a player? Is there something that sticks in your mind, Kelly, or like a, a you know just a great lesson or a great bit of advice that you received as a player? Um, be patient, <laughs> um, which I'm not, but I have to be. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's just not running into the ball as well. Um, and that's how I first try to start to hit the ball because all I wanted to do is hit the ball. And yeah, yeah. Um, but that's, I've grown out of that and I've learned some from really, really good coaches 
Yeah, great now. stuff. Well, particularly on clay, you've got to be uh, extremely uh, patient with you. Our Aussies are still trying to uh, to master. Kelly, I just wanted to acknowledge your great deeds. 23 consecutive uh, titles outstanding, and uh, hopefully we'll run into each other someday. Thank you, Brett. Yes, I'm so excited. Kelly Wren, uh, you can hear the excitement up there in New South Wales. Uh, it's, a, it's a great result, and as we know, tennis uh, caters for all. Uh, Yarra Tennis Coaching is Melbourne's independent tennis coaching program. It's out at Eaglemont Tennis Club. Uh, Shane Scrutton on board with us here on the first serve. Uh, programs for every age and standard. You can contact him direct 0414 or check out yarratennis.com.au. Back with uh, a few more bits and pieces to tidy up. First serve tennis sunscreen. A quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis at sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Greenlife Group, your open space specialists, providing landscape, horticultural and environmental services throughout Australia at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. We look ahead to Barty Sviontek, 3am tomorrow morning. Uh, the young 19-year-old said to the press, I'm ambitious, I always want to play perfect. That's not a great attitude. So I'm still learning how to win ugly and sometimes perform good, even though I'm not feeling perfect. Be fair to say, Ash Barty hasn't always won perfect in 2021. Having to dig herself from a set down or a bit of adversity. So uh, winning ugly is certainly a part of sport. Uh, Manorino Elcaraz, around about 11 o'clock tonight. Righto. I'll see if I can do that going into Barty. It's going to be uh, gonna be a test of the matchstick eyes a little bit later on. But we need Carlos Elcaraz to get through to play Rafael Nadal, the, the young Spanish um, whiz kid up against uh, the uh, absolute champion in uh, Rafa Piers and Venus up against Purcell and Sebel. So three Australians and a Kiwi in the doubles a little bit uh, later on tonight. Quick Aussie stock take. Uh, Demonors in Madrid. She had to pull out the big guns. A set and a breakdown overnight. Got through to the second round. Melman's in Madrid yet to play. Kyrgios, we believe, has indicated he's going to come back on the grass in Mallorca, the home of Rafael Nadal, uh, leading into Wimbledon. So that's what we're hearing around Nick Kyrgios. Uh, disappointing for Tomo when at uh, first uh, qualifying match in Madrid. Popran got through uh, a couple of really tight uh, matches. Alexi, so he'll be in the main draw. Duckworth is still in Australia at the moment. O'Connell hasn't played for about five weeks. He's in Europe. We're trying to get to the bottom of that. Uh, Polman's uh, Bolt needs a win on the road. He's playing tonight. Zero and four, Alex Bolt. Needs a win on the road. Thanasi Kokonakis going okay. He's almost on the verge of the top 200. He's made three quarterfinals. He's building and building. Uh, everyone just thinks probably Thanasi's going to rip through these draws at challenger level. But when you haven't played a lot of tennis uh, for the best part of 12 months, uh, it is uh, very, very tough. And a dangerous little floater in Madrid. The unseated Aslan Karatsev. We love him. What an Australian Open he had. Uh, he defeated Uga Humber, 7-5-6-4. So he has set up a great round two match. Uh, with uh, little Diego Schwartzman. Barty flying on the women's side. Tom Lanovich knocked out Madrid Qualies. Uh, bagel there. That was disappointing. Uh, Astra Sharma, a little break. Not sure when Sam Stoza rejoins the tour. Inglis and Cabrera, we haven't seen at this stage. We know Priscilla Hond is injured. Sanders and Roddy Nova are going to play in America this week at an ITF event. Uh, the PTCA, Professional Tennis Coaches Association. We're going to have more on this in the next uh, couple of weeks. And I did a health check. I couldn't quite tune in yesterday. The Australian Tennis Health Check to see where clubs, coaches and competition tennis is at. 
as we reset and emerge from COVID-19. Uh, the group discovered, yesterday, that tennis numbers for both juniors and senior teams are down across associations and also pennant in Melbourne. However, coaching numbers uh, certainly seems to be on the way up for newer players to tennis, which is uh, certainly encouraging news. Uh, there were plenty of coaches from Tasmania, Victoria, New South Wales in that call yesterday. They reported a lack of assistant coaches available even though there is a growing demand for tennis lessons in 2021 for both juniors and adults. We're going to dig into that from a domestic point of view, just the health check on Australian tennis and where all that is heading. Make sure you check out Melbourne's leading synthetic grass court surface and construction specialists, Asti Tennis Courts. They're trusted by Melbourne tennis clubs and councils. Check out aste.com.au. Keep an eye on our socials throughout the week. Our website, thefirstserve.com.au. That great piece put up by Linda Pearce tonight. Ash Barty, we could be talking in a week's time. She might have another title. Got to get past Fiontech. What a beauty. That'll be in the early hours. Hit them well this week. Talk to you next Monday. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.